Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to a Sunday edition of Inside Arsenal. I hope you are all enjoying the weekend, wherever you are watching or listening to this around the world. First of all, couldn't get to do a video yesterday, so apologies for that, but uh, it was a bit of a family day in London yesterday, taking the kids to see Frozen the Musical in Covent Garden, which was a mixture of fun stroke stress. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, didn't get time to do a video but we'll catch up on a few things today bit of a Sunday roundup of course no Arsenal men's action this weekend because of the international break there is a big women's game though at the Emirates later today against Aston Villa 2pm kickoff and we could well I think we will see the return to action of Beth Mead after such a long time out with that crucial ligament injury which is fantastic news Jonas Einveld confirming in the sort of build up to this game that barring any late sort of setbacks she would be involved in this one which is just going to be such a great thing to see for all Arsenal and England fans of course um, and Vivian Meadmar not too far behind her by all accounts she's back in full training Leah Williamson back out on the grass but we're going to have to wait a fair while longer yet to see Leah Williamson but great to see her sort of getting closer to her return but yeah big big game in the Emirates over 33,000 tickets sold as well so going to be another huge crowd there hopefully this time Arsenal can get the result that the large majority of the crowd are going to want to see, unlike against Liverpool on the opening weekend of the season. So there is some Arsenal interest today to get yourself down to the Emirates if you fancy some football today. Um, We'll talk about Thomas Partey to start this episode. Now, there's a bit of concern doing the rounds today because he played for Ghana overnight in their friendly against Mexico, which they lost 2-0 over in the United States. Started the game, but only lasted 45 minutes, was replaced by Chris Hewton at half-time. Um, my understanding of it is that this was a sort of 
just a fitness related thing as in a pre-arranged type thing it's like we'll give him 45 minutes going to carefully manage his fitness for Ghana are well aware that he's only just come back from a long injury only played about 20 minutes or so so um it was always just going to be sort of 45 minutes for this might well be similar on Wednesday night when they play in Nashville I think it is against the USA um that they are just sort of in conversation with Arsenal, just being a little bit careful with Thomas Partey. These are friendlies. They're not qualifiers. You don't need to take any risks. And that's what Ghana's doing. So I don't think there's anything to be concerned about in terms of him going off at halftime. From uh, my understanding of the situation, it is a bit uh, of a prearranged thing. And um, yeah, good that Ghana are doing that. And they are being sensible. Lost 2-0. was 0-0 when he went off at halftime. Lost 2-0 in the end to Mexico over in the States. And yeah, they got that game on Wednesday night. Not going to be ideal that. Wednesday night over in Nashville, they're playing USA. And then they've got to get back Arsenal's game on Saturday against Chelsea. When you sort of think about party and the long flights there, it's not ideal. I can't imagine we'll be seeing Thomas Party start at Stamford Bridge probably because of that. But we all saw what happened against City. I think it worked really, really well. Jorginho starting that game. Declan Rice playing a little bit further ahead. And then Party coming on in the second half when needed. And Arsenal finished that game very, very strongly because of the substitution. It wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of similar to what we see um, uh, on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. So I don't think it's anything necessarily to be worried about when it comes to Thomas Partey. There was other international interest for Arsenal over the last couple of days. Zinchenko playing yesterday, they kept their um, hopes, Ukraine kept their hopes of qualifying in England's group, of course, alive with a 2-0 win um, against North Macedonia. Kai Havertz played a few minutes for Germany. Didn't start the game, came on as they beat USA 3-1. Uh, Odegaard's playing for Norway, I think, tonight. They've got a tough game, actually. They've got Spain, I think, later on tonight. Big, big game for Norway, that. And, of course, Eddie Nketiah as well. Um, big moment for him playing uh, for England, coming on against... Uh, God, totally forgotten. He played Australia, wasn't it, in the 1-0 win on Friday night. For some reason, build-up to that, I thought it was on Saturday, game, Saturday night, but it was on Friday night. But a really big moment for Eddie Nketiah. A lot of changes by Gareth Southgate in that game. Um, I don't think I think we're going to see a much stronger team on Tuesday night. Whether we see Eddie playing that, I'm not sure. And of course, if he plays in that, then that's him committed to England for the rest of his career. In fact, he played against Australia on Friday night because it was friendly. Means he still could technically play for Ghana. Ghana, we heard last week, still hadn't given up hope of getting Eddie Nketiah to commit to them. But if Eddie does get a chance, does get some minutes against. Um, uh, on Tuesday night, Italy on Tuesday night, then that's it. No Ghana for Eddie. So we'll wait and see what Gareth Southgate does. But a really big game. You see here, if you watch it on the screen, Eddie tweeted uh, his England debut. I mean, a very really special moment for him when you think about where Eddie's come from, the path through from Hale End, you know, to come up and get his England debut following in the footsteps of fellow Hale End Academy graduates like Bukayo, like Emil recently. A really big moment for him. So congratulations. Eddie Nketiah. Right, I just wanted to speak a little bit about Charlie Patino. I thought he gave an interesting interview. He's away with England under-21s at the moment, and he's been speaking about kind of his future. He's been speaking about Arsenal, uh, what his ambitions remains. Obviously, over in Swan, playing for Swansea this season, alone in the Championship, had a good start. He's got gold. He's got three assists, I think, in nine appearances now uh, this season. He's making a big impression. Just got um, awarded the Swansea Goal of the Month. A uh, really good goal, that one, as well. So not surprising. Great finish. Um, and he's been talking while away with England under 21. This is what he had to say, sort of about his 
time at Arsenal when he plays with the first team, that sort of thing. He talks about Saliba as well, which we'll get to. He says, training with the Arsenal first team every day has helped me develop on and off the pitch. Made me really confident. I kept going back and it felt like I was part of the first team because I was learning under them. They've got some real leaders like Odegaard, like Bakayo, who's come up through the ranks. Getting advice from him and Emil Smith-Rowe has been really good for me. When I first went over to train with the first team, Emil, Eddie, Bakayo, they came over to me, put their arms around my shoulder and just said, enjoy yourself play with a smile on your face and just express yourself. Um, we're talking about Saliba as well and how, you know, Saliba going out on loan and coming back, getting himself into the Arsenal first team has really inspired him. He said, look, Saliba's a different player to me. He's a centre-back, big, powerful. But for me, it's inspiring to see someone from Arsenal being able to go out on loan, make a name for himself and come back and show his qualities at Arsenal because it is a massive club. And he talks about how he's ambition is still to play for Arsenal that's what he wants to do and he said that you know it's a bit of a message to Arteta maybe he was talking about what he needs to improve while he's at Swansea he says physicality is one of the main aspects I want to improve I go in every day and do extra recovery extra gym sessions to better myself to become a better player I think it's important because if I want to step up and be a Premier League player the games are a lot quicker now and you have to be ready for one-on-one -on -one duels and that happens all over the pitch. I thought there were interesting comments from Patino. The fact that he reiterated in that interview that his desire was still to make it at Arsenal, to go back and become an Arsenal player. Now, it was a difficult summer for Patino. It was a um, probably a confusing summer more than a difficult summer, actually, because it started off and there was, you know, it, it, there was an agreement basically between all parties that okay, we're going to let him go permanently. He can move on. Um, and sort of try and kick on his career because there's not really any sort of pathway at Arsenal. So that agreement had been that happened. Then as the summer went on, opinions, minds started to change a little bit. And it was okay. And then it was decided, all right, actually, you can go out on loan. Not, you know, no new deal has been signed or anything like that. So when he comes back in the summer, he's only going to have a year left on his contract, but everyone's going to sit down and reassess things then. So, you know, all I've said this before, like all the options are available to Charlie. Still, Arsenal do like Charlie Patino and... It's just about they're not going to hold a player back if they don't think he's going to be close enough to get in the first team. And for Patino and his people as well, it's like the thought of why would they sign a new long-term contract with Arsenal now, which is going to have to happen if he's going to stay. Why would you do that now if there's not really a pathway, if you're not sure that there's a pathway? Um, so I think everyone's going to see how this season pans out. You know, if Charlie can smash it, if he can go out and play really, really well when he started very well, then he come back, come back and sit down again, then it could be a very different scenario. So all options are very much available for Charlie. And I'm just glad to see him doing so well. And he started so well with Swansea. Um, he's made himself, you know, he's getting himself into England under 21s and good luck to him. I really hope he has a successful season. Then we'll wait and see. But I thought those were interesting comments from him about his time so far at Swansea and his ambitions. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, I'm going to do a fair few sort of questions and comments now. Um, This is actually um, one that I thought was quite interesting on the sort of back of the Patino stuff. So, um, it says, Arsenal's culture of managing academy players is disgraceful. When Wenger was manager, they were dying for talented youth players like Nelson Balligan, Smith-Rowe, Saka, Norton, Cuffin, and Bettino. But all we had was overrated players like Zellalem, Akpom, and Awobi. To see Arsenal selling talented academy players for peanuts, spending exorbitant amounts of money for useless big-name players like Pepe and Havertz is a joke. And the fans wonder uh, every season why we haven't won the PL or the CLC. I don't really understand this. I think, um, you know... Arsenal have got in their first team at the moment, Bukai Saka, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe in the squad anyway, who are still getting minutes. Eddie Nketiah is starting at the moment pretty much every game. Um, might well change soon with people coming back from injury, but Eddie's played a lot this season. Emil's got some minutes. Bukai's playing all the time this season. You know, there's not many teams in the Premier League that can say that about academy players. And so I'm not sure you can really have a go at Arsenal managing their academy players. And, you know, Balogun have sold... You say sell for peanuts. Arsenal's biggest sales for the last few years have pretty much all been academy players. Balogun, Awobi, Emi Martinez, who you could class as um, that, Joe Willock. You know, so I don't think they've really been selling them for peanuts. I think Arsenal's the pretty much the only money, decent money Arsenal have got in for players in the past few years is through academy players. And, you know, that's what they want. That's what the loan system that they're using is for now. Not every academy player can make it in the first team at Arsenal, but the key thing is is that if they're talented, you can sell them on for big money and that makes Hayland, you know, self-sustainable and because of all the investment that Arsenal put into Hayland. So I'm not really, I don't really understand that comment, to be honest. I think it's, um, I think it's a little bit, a little bit harsh, but uh, thanks anyway for getting involved. There's one here from, um, well, there's two here actually, I thought were interested. One from Mr. Blinking Heck. This is in response to Jack Wiltshire potentially going to Colorado Rapids. Of course, he's had an interview with them about uh, becoming their first team coach nothing decided yet they are talking to other people as well but um i spoke about it on friday's show mr blinken hex says it's far too soon for jack to leave In my opinion he's nowhere near ready at the moment for a senior role i think he should do another 12 months at youth t- at the youth team at least and then perhaps if an option another 12 months as an assistant to Mikel, that would be good he's only 31 um and here's one from is it g gnostic truth who says, hi, Charles, I live in Denver and I'm a Rapids fan. Honestly, I love Jack and I don't know if he should take the Rapids job. So, so much has to be done and KSC is not treating the club well. Jack's boss would be Patrick Smith. Smith will not give him the tools needed to be successful. Wiltshire or whoever takes the Rapids job will be asked to do the impossible at 31. It may be too soon. Yeah, thanks very much for that. I asked for that if there was a Colorado um, sort of fan or an expert who could give their opinion on it. And I, I agree. I still feel like this could be a move too soon for Jack at 31, taking on a really difficult job where, you know, the Rapids are really, really struggling, where there's lots of fan unrest, when the ownership at the moment doesn't appear to be really, you know, sort of backing the team very much and giving them the investment they need to get them off the floor, which is where they have been for a fair while. 
um, it just feels like a difficult job for Jack. I mean, admittedly, you could sort of look at it from another point of view and say, well, they can't get any worse. So, you know, the only direction he can take that place is up, which I suppose is an argument, but I still, I don't know. I still feel like uh, Mr. Blinken Hex says here, I feel like staying another 12 months. You know, he's only been in the job one year at under 18 level. And he came into that job totally inexperienced. You know, that was his first ever gig. So it just feels to me like stick it around for another year, Jack. Learn, continue to learn where you've got a massive support network, where you can go over whenever you want, you know, sort of watch Mikel's training sessions as well. Join in sometimes, learn from him, go back to the under-18s, continue the job you're doing there and then reassess maybe a year from now or even two years from now. You don't have to rush into anything. You don't have to take a job just because you get offered one in a senior role. Um, so yeah, that would be my thinking, but look, who am I to tell Jack Wilshire what to do? I had another comment here. Um, not, I haven't got it on the screen, but I remember I read a comment. One of you guys sent in saying that when's Jack's ever pulled out of a 50, 50, you know, and it, that's true. You know, he's always that sort of combative, combative figure who likes to take on a challenge who goes into 50, 50s. And maybe he's looking at it like this thinking it's a real big challenge for me. I want to take it. I want to take it head on because that's his personality. And you know, that could be the case as well. So whatever he decides, good luck to him. But I, I kind of hope that maybe he decides to stick it out at Arsenal for at least another year to continue to learn. Um, here's one from Yavin Wonders. A few of you re- uh, sent in comments like this. Um, it's in response to on Friday, Talk Sport, uh, the Andy Goldstein, the drive, it was a drive show, Andy Goldstein, Darren Bent. <laughs> I was actually, I just picked my kids up from school, was traveling back um, and was listening to it. And all of a sudden they started talking about my book and Andy Goldstein was going in on it, uh, taking the mick out of it uh, about, you know, revolution. What type of revolution is there? They've not won anything. And then he, he sort of tied it into a phone in for the most embarrassing fans. Who's got the most embarrassing fans? And they kind of tied it all into my book. It was, ah, oh, cheers, Andy. Thanks for that, mate. Um, and here's one from Yavin says, hi, Charles. What do you make of TalkSport's mockery of your book by Andy Goldstein? It's very funny for someone not to not to see the strides made by Mikel since he took over. The club was in crisis. For him to take over, stabilise the ship and get the club to compete again for major honours is a great revolution itself. They simply don't know what they're talking about. We may not have won any major honours since the FA Cup, but every sign is progress. Yeah, look, I mean, I didn't care, to be honest. It was quite, I was laughing about it with my kids in the car. We were listening to it. Um, and look, it's taught sport. They you know, kind of know what they do. They need to... It's the kind of clickbait type stuff, isn't it, where they'll say something to generate a response and you know it's just an easy win for them isn't it it's an easy hour-long part of a show is who's got the most embarrassing fans and then you call it tight into that and you're going to have Tottenham fans ringing up and it's just going to be you know you're going to get your phone lines clogged up and people are going to have their say so it doesn't really bother me and I really like Andy Goldstein to be fair I like drive him and Darren Bent are really good I just thought when I was listening to it I was like why not it's not hard to find me um you know and instead of just talking about it why didn't they just if they decided they were going to talk about this and do this big show of it, why didn't they get in touch with me before and say, do you want to come on and talk about it and explain it? I just thought, why, why haven't they done that? And, you know, they basically did that whole show on reading the title. They hadn't read the book. They didn't know what it was about. And I don't think they even knew I was a journalist, judging by it, because they tried to link it into most embarrassing fans. And they didn't realise it was a sort of journalistic take of the last four years, an inside story of what's gone on and the big decisions that have been made, the Abamyang, the Urza, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that was the only thing. I didn't mind them doing the thing. Look, any publicity is good publicity, I suppose. Um, but I just thought, why why on earth didn't they just reach out to me if they were going to do this and make it make it a more sort of sensible type section of the show where they actually talked to me and found out what the book was about rather than uh, just sort of launching into it, reading the title and the sort of synopsis on the show. So that was my thought on it. But to be honest, I wasn't really that bothered. And like I said, I actually really like the drive show and I think Goldstein's really good. He makes me laugh and Darren Bent's really good as well. Um, 
so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't overly bothered to be honest. Uh, here's one from William. He said, "Hi Charles, great video. Do you think perhaps El Nini is being groomed to take the role like Jax? He is heavily pushing his academy, and his dad has previously said he will someday coach for Arsenal. Yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mohamed El Nini once he hangs up his boots, which I don't think he's ready to do just yet. But once he does, I think he's definitely going to move into coaching. He's learning his badges at Arsenal. He's coaching the youngsters at Arsenal when he can at the moment. He's got his academy as well. He's launching his own." Was it El Nene FC, isn't it, where he's looking to get players from a couple of age groups, sort of 11 to 18s, but then also an older age group as well to try and get them into football. So he's putting a lot of emphasis into this as he gets towards the end of his playing career. Clearly very, very excited by the prospect of moving into coaching and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, him and Granit Xhaka were doing it at Arsenal. Cedric was doing it at Arsenal. You know, they're all taking advantage of doing their badges. So um, whether he's being groomed, so to speak, to take on a role like Jack's, I don't know. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he were to move into the um, into coaching at Arsenal at some point. But I th- I'm not sure he's ready to hang up his playing boots just yet, Mohamed Onenis. But he's clearly taking, you know, making good moves to sort of get himself set up when it comes to coaching in the future. And good luck to him as well because he's really putting a lot of effort into it. And he's such a honestly such a nice guy, Mohamed Onenis. <laughs> in football, there's you won't meet a, a much nicer guy. Then Mohamed Onani, when it comes to when you sit there and talk to him, and I speak to a lot of footballers in the past, Mohamed Onani, absolute quality guy. And uh, good luck to him if that is the move he's going to make. Um, here's one from Scott here who says, thanks for the incredible content you provide every day. I have a question. Arteta said dropping Gabriel for the first few seasons of the season was tactical. But given how well Gabriel has come into the squad and played alongside Saliba, it seems a strange tactical decision to leave him out at the start of the season. What do you make of that decision? Was it purely tactical in your opinion? Or what influence did the Saudi lead interest have on our test decision? I've said it already before. I don't think it was purely tactical. I think the Saudi thing was definitely 100%. In fact, I, there was definitely stuff going on it, that was, you know, and, you know, I can't say for certain that it was purely because of that, but it wasn't. I don't think it was just tactical, not from what I was hearing. There was certainly stuff going on that, you know, until the Saudi window was shut, until everything was sorted, it didn't surprise me that, that Gabriel came back into the team after that, put it that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it just doesn't make any sense for it to be tactical, does it? Purely tactical, because Gabriel is one of the best defenders in the world. He's shown that. Him and Saliba are one of the best centre-back partnerships in the world. They've proven that. So it doesn't really make too much sense to hurt your team by not playing him purely because of a tactical reason it just didn't make too much sense to me and from what I heard that it, there was there was other stuff going on as well but look that's in the past now he's in the team Arsenal are looking better for it and the transfer window's closed and we can all enjoy having Gabriel and Saliba together once again in the heart of the Arsenal defence thank you very much for all those questions you guys do appreciate your time as always wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world I hope you have a very very good end to your weekend I'll be back tomorrow as we head into the second part the international break and we get closer and closer to the return of the Premier League. Have a great day, everyone. I'll speak to you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.